This Talking Flutes podcast is kindly sponsored by Trevor James Flutes, making life sound beautiful. You can show them some flute love by following them on Instagram at TJ Flutes, Trevor James Flutes on Facebook and at trevorjamesflutes.com. Welcome to Talking Flutes with John Paul Wright and me, Claire Southworth. It's the Christmas season once again, and so here we are with that rare once-a-year event, the Christmas podcast. So it's time to make yourself a cup of tea, a hot chocolate, or a gin and tonic, and sit back beside your Christmas tree, turn the Christmas lights on, and listen to us gabble about lovely Christmassy things. Yes, yeah, sorry, John Paul, I see you've got your cup of tea. Do you know how very professional of you? I've been trying to put you off since you started talking. And you, you have. What a pro, eh? <laughs> oh, happy Christmas, everybody. Yeah, I've got my coffee ready. Not in the little red cup. I think that's gone walkabout. So uh, I've got a pink cup. So happy Christmas to you, my lady. Thank you. Happy Christmas to you too. Now, I thought today it might be fun to talk about our favourite traditions at Christmas. And maybe you could start with the top three or more yeah. things that mean Christmas to you. I would say putting the Christmas tree up, because for us, that is a sign that Christmas is here. Well, nearly amongst us. We're sort of quite old fashioned is that we put the Christmas tree up later, sort of. You know, it's a bone of contention in the household. My grown up children would like the tree up at the beginning of December. But my good lady always likes it in the middle. It's a bit later. Because she says, even though we get a tree that doesn't drop, she says it will drop. So for me, it's putting the tree up because it's a sign that we're coming towards holidays. It means all this food that we've been gathering for a few weeks and the drink we could break open. And we can begin the festivities because we do our jigsaw puzzle before Christmas. And we'll talk about your traditions. I know what your tradition is. But this year it's me very different. Because we're going to get the Christmas tree today. Because it's been such an awful year and such a weird year, I think everybody needs a bit of a, a fillip, don't they? A bit of a, an uplift. And we've noticed, uh, we've spoken to people that we know that work at the garden centre and they haven't sold as many trees at the beginning of December and the back end of November ever. So people are getting into the Christmas spirit now because we need a lift. So firstly, for me, Claire, it is the Christmas tree. And also, they know that as soon as they decorate, I don't decorate the tree. So that's a family thing. I stand there for a couple of minutes and disappear. Because they know that when they come down the next morning, they're going to have to rearrange it because I go in and mess it all up. We're much the same in that my children also like the Christmas decorations to go at the beginning of December. But for me, it's got to be mid-December. The first sign of Christmas for me is when I hear the song, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year, by Andy... It's the most wonderful time of the year. There you go. <laughs> now it's Christmas. Have you noticed it started early? I mean, since we've got... I mean, we'll no doubt we'll speak about how my Christmas can be different this year because I'm a new addition. We, we, I sit here, I work in my dining room where I'm sat now. And I have the radio on. And so it's been classic FM. And since the 1st of December, it's nonstop Christmas music. Yeah, yeah. So Andy Williams, I get it. Early. Yeah, Andy Williams. And, you know, of course, 
food is hugely important. <laughs> um, I do love it. When Joe comes home for Christmas, he goes straight to the fridge and he opens the door at the doors of the, of the fridge and he says, ah, Christmas. <laughs> but it's the one time of the year that the fridge is absolutely full. Yeah. So that's, that's also sort of a tradition. He'll always say that when, <laughs> when he comes home at Christmas. Is Joe working this Christmas? He is working this Christmas. He's working on Christmas Day. So we are going to have a, a Christmas breakfast with him, a socially distanced Christmas breakfast, but we're allowed um, another household in. Yes. So he'll, he'll have a, a breakfast and then off to work. Is he, um, we'll, is he on A&E? He's doing accident and emergency. Yeah. So um, hopefully it won't be too busy. Yes. And then what we'll do this year is New Year's Eve, I'll make another Christmas dinner so that he, he hasn't missed out. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Toby's on um, respiratory. So he's working. Um, he's working too. Christmas yeah, date. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's fantastic that they, they go to work and they, they don't moan. They just, they just get on with it. It's they fantastic. do. So I like that. Andy Williams and Joe saying, ah, it's Christmas. Yeah, because of food. I mean, there are, there are, there are other pre-Christmas things that do help the excitement in, in relation to food. and Because and, I've already made the Christmas gravy and I've made the cranberry sauce. I'm about to make the Christmas biscuits. Oh. And that all helps build up the excitement. Okay, well, number two for me is Christmas cake. I've been a vegetarian, as you probably know, for about 18 months. But for me, and I know this, it's for me, Christmas cake, however I changed my eating habits over the year, is it started off with my grandmother when I was young, bringing a Christmas cake, you know, one of these rich fruit cakes over to the house. And then it's gone on ever since with my mother and my mother-in-law. And now it's a sort of thing that I have to do at the end of November, beginning of December, and then feed it with brandy each week just to make sure that when I do cut it on Christmas Day that it is so so soggy that it's like a bread pudding but also the good thing about it 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 gives me permission not not that I need permission at my age but it gives me permission to have a little cup a little glass of brandy when I'm feeding it so for me Christmas cake because as soon as I start dribbling the brandy into it each week that smell comes up doesn't it just lovely? Now, do you are you a traditionalist in that you don't start your Christmas cake until Christmas Day, or do you start it early? Do you know if I had my way, I'd start it early. And I and again, it's a bugbear in our families that our kids want to open. You know, they're grown up; they're in their twenties, but they want to eat the things that my good lady has bought for Christmas. But she says not Christmas yet. <laughs> so come Christmas Day, when you've had your Christmas dinner, your Christmas fair, and you've had the Christmas pudding, and you're all sat there with your hats on your head falling asleep, it's too late to have all this stuff. So I would like this year for it to be to be able to uh, sort of start eating before Christmas, but I'll bound down to the boss. Well, we, we did last year, because my sister always makes me a Christmas cake. And when she brought it over last year, I said, it's, you know, when you get to Christmas Day, I'm too full to eat it. And she said, well, I think it's really important that you start early. So we're about to receive our Christmas cake Ooh. and we're going to start early. Oh, now, I think another one feed and I, I reckon ours will be ready. So I'll just need to gauge reaction from those more important in my household. Those that make the decisions. 
Yeah, well, it helps build up the excitement, doesn't it? Oh, it now, does. as a vegetarian, what are you going to eat for your dinner on Christmas Day? Well, I'm not one of I'm not one of these people in t- that's into nut loaves and things. I will have the complete roast dinner, but without the turkey and the stuffing because the stuffing is pork is that stuffing. Your whole family. Oh, your whole family. Vegetarian? No, they're not. No, I'm the I'm the odd one out. Oh, yeah. For no uh, for no other reason that I think I, I told you I had a Chinese in London 18 months ago and ordered too much meat, but ate it all and then got the meat sweats afterwards. And I just haven't wanted meat since. It's really strange. So it's from no desire to fly the vegetarian flag. It's just I haven't wanted it. So it will be a proper Christmas dinner um, and I just won't have the turkey or the stuffing. Okay then. Well, I'm sure it'll be delicious. Um, So another of my things that mean Christmas to me, you you mentioned it earlier, the jigsaw. Yes. We have mentioned this in previous years. We have to. (laughs) Yes, we we have to because it is now a firm family tradition. But I'll tell you how it began. It began when I secretly bought myself a jigsaw for Christmas. Um, I wrapped it up and I put it under the tree and I wrote the gift card and I said it was to mum from Santa. And of course it it caused such confusion in the house because the kids, when they were younger, they were going, what is it? You know, why would you get a present wrapped to you? Do you know who's it from really? You know, all these things. And there was, it was hilarious when I opened it because obviously I knew what it was. So now it's a given. I buy myself a jigsaw um, every year and on boxing day morning, I get up early to start it. And quite often I don't get dressed all day. I do the puzzle, drink tea, eat leftovers, drink wine. It's me time and it's fabulous. Are you a bit like me? Because we started ours not as long long, go, long ago as you did, but do you have a make of Jigsaw Puzzle? Yes. Ravensburg. Yes. Mine's Ravensburg as well. But this year, I didn't like the one this year. All those little square boxes. Square boxes. Yeah, there was oh, re- on the website. Yes, yeah. I, I mean, don't remember. so and because Ravensburg is so popular for jigsaw puzzles, I've been trying to go back to find old ones that predate our little, our new sort of tradition. And uh, they're so expensive, aren't they? Expensive, but the quality is the best of them. And with the lockdown we've just been having recently here in the UK. Uh, we've been doing jigsaws again, so we've got some of the old ones out. Ah, so you keep them? Yes, I, I, I keep. I, I know when we did first when we first moved to the south coast five years ago, I put all the jigsaws I had into a charity shop. Mm-hmm. But I've been collecting them again for the last five years, so we've redone them. Um, but I do have a new one for this year. But you and, do you uh, do crazy jigsaws though. You're not an, an amateur that just does it once a year. I mean, ours is what a thousand piece, and it takes us ages to do it. But you're you're almost like a pro because the stuff you do is just mind blowing. We do um, at least two thousand pieces, so that it fits on our very large coffee table. And this year's puzzle, which um, I haven't wrapped yet, it's a Dutch scene. It's a Dutch canal with the Dutch buildings. And a couple of Dutch bicycles with lots of flowers. So it's going to be, and it's, it's at night time, so there's lots of lights and water shimmering. It's going to be quite tricky, I think. Ah, pays homage to the Dutch side of your family. It does indeed. So what that's a, I think that has been a, um, one of the positives of this year's 
lockdown. Have you had any positives of the lockdown, the recent one? I've, you know, to be perfectly honest, I've, I found the first one good. I liked the first one. As in liked, you can't like it, can you? But I, w- I started to do new things. You know, I started to do masterclass courses uh, from that masterclass.com. Um, I wrote short stories. I, I sort of went back and started doing things that I used to do many years ago. And then we came out of lockdown, but the the way the government worked is that um, not many companies actually reopened again. So we've been in a state of limbo, really, for about eight or nine months. Uh, I've been carrying on doing social media and whatever. But this lockdown, I found particularly sort of quite difficult. So I think it might be because we've, we've got the dark nights. And beforehand, we've had the most glorious weather, so we could sit out in the garden. And uh, I suppose lockdown was just three or four months of sitting in the garden, having, you know, having good family time, quality family time. But positives, I think, personally, positives have has been trying to find out or understanding more about myself as a as an individual. I think because before lockdown, everything was really busy. I'd get up at six, I'd do my morning meditation, I'd get in the car, I'd go to work, an hour's journey, I'd work all day, and then I'd come home and get home about eight o'clock at night. And it was that was a sort of a, a, a loop. Every day seemed to be the same. And weekends, I'd have my sort of jobs that I would do. And I've done that for years. And then lockdown came, and suddenly that was sort of taken away. Also going to see relatives were taken away. And... What it enabled me to do, I think, is to take a step back. Because you, you have two ways, don't you? We, I am privileged in that I am not affected by COVID. I don't know, haven't any relatives that have suffered with COVID. And I know there's millions around the world that have been affected, uh, some very, very badly. But I'm privileged in that I haven't. So what it's enabled me to do is take a step back and actually look at, you know, think, do I give enough to sort of the charities and do I, um, who is suffering at this time? And I think it was last week, there was a thing on the BBC about uh, two vicars in Manchester that are street vicars, and they spend their days giving to the poor or supporting the poor. And we're not talking about poor people, we're talking about the layer beneath that, those that generally don't have anything. And uh, watching the BBC documentary, I got straight onto the, uh, there was Just Giving page and gave. And I, it made me think, do I actually give enough to, to needy causes? Do I do my bit, bearing in mind I'm in a privileged position? And the answer was no. So for me, one of the positives of it is it's enabled me to take a step back, look at how I think, how I behave, how I give, and also understand that the most important thing in life really is uh, those that are close to you. And I think over the years, like most men, I've probably, if I'm completely honest, neglected that side, is that I was living to work rather than working to live. Um, So it's enabled me to sort of readjust. So that's a long, convoluted answer to your question, Claire. I think I've grown up a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's that's a good one, John Paul. Um, um, I also have found this uh, second lockdown far harder than the first one. And for the same reasons that the the weather's not good, the the days are short. Um, But I think one silver lining is that I've managed to connect with people, with more people via Zoom than normal, because 
um, the people I've been connecting with would normally be far too busy um, because of touring and performing. And um, so there's been many more occasions where they've been stuck at home and are quite happy to, to chat and reconnect. So that's been a, a really good positive. And then outside of the, our podcasts and, and work, Rolf and I have spent much more time together, which has been absolutely wonderful. We've had our daughter Eleanor living with us here since April. What a bonus that has been! <laughs> it's not something that ever would have have happened had there had if there hadn't been a pandemic. So I think that that something like that has to be celebrated because in a normal world we would see her once every few months if we were lucky, and you know she's been basically I said basically living with us since April. So that's that's something to be celebrated. Oh, that's gorgeous. Garden. We've got all three at home. We've had all three at home since <laughs> April. Good grief. I'm trying to get rid of them now. <laughs> well, I must say, it's, it's, um, you have to sort of think a bit harder because you have to think about, you know, more food and you have to agree on what to do in the evenings and make sure that everybody's happy. Oh, I thought of another um, one. The second lockdown, I bought a projector. What does that mean? What's, what's a project? What sort of projector? Well, just a projector that I plug into my laptop and it uh, creates this image. We have a conservatory with a white wall, a large white wall. And it has enabled me to actually have a cinema room. But the, 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 uh, the projector is only about £99 and it is wonderful. It's HD. And I project this image onto the wall and it's about nine feet by six feet. And I have a Bluetooth speaker, a little Bose speaker at the front. Oh, and it's wonderful. It's just, uh, we've been through everything. We've finished Shit's Creek, which for me is my favourite uh, Netflix series of all time. Uh, we've done the Queen's Gamb. We've just done everything, but in large format. That sounds incredible. I know you're Mr. Gadget Man. <laughs> um, so, Project, that sounds, that sounds great fun. It is, and it's not expensive. So this was 90 quid or 95 pounds from Amazon. And you literally plug it into your laptop and then you can, you, you just sort of find a wall and off you go. And the sound, if it, even if it comes out, your laptop is fine. But for me, if I use the little speaker at the front, little Bluetooth speaker, it's like being in a cinema. So that, that's a huge, great plus. Oh, very, very good. Yeah, we've, lo- we've watched lots of, of um, series. Uh, the Queen's Gambit was fantastic, especially for the clothes at the, the main Oh, yes. Board. And I went and bought a chess set because I used to play when I was younger, not very well, just a little bit. So we've been playing chess. That's kept us occupied. Isn't it wonderful to see a woman, you know, really, really taking on the men and just killing them as not as in physically killing them, but just beating them at something that men had always regarded as their their domain. I just thought it's stunning. (laughs) It was very, very well made. Very well made. So other things, the garden looks great because we did a lot of gardening. Mm -hmm. The dogs have had nonstop company and um, I've read lots. And I believe you have a new addition to your family. Yeah, we do. We have a mouse. Well, not literally a mouse. It's a, sorry, it. She is a Bedlington Terrier, uh, seven months old or eight months old now. And uh, it came down from the north as a bit of a rescue because it had been disowned by an older pet, an older dog in a previous house. I haven't had, but I grew up with boxers, but that when I left home when I was 18. So in the last 40 years, I haven't had a dog. And 
even when I was younger, I suppose realistically, I didn't have a dog because I never had to look after them. I just enjoyed them. But the last four weeks, I mean, she's now chewing at the door. The last four weeks has been a change in lifestyle. So she's a lovely, lovely, gentle lady, has a lot of fear of missing out and just wants constant attention. It's a bit of a struggle, but uh, yeah, she's lovely. She's beautiful. And there is one reason why Christmas is going to be different this year, because we realise we can't get a big tree because she'll probably pull it down. So lots of things are going to be very, very different. And on that, Claire, can I just say congratulations on your podcast with Gareth Davis of the London Symphony Orchestra. They have been so, so popular. And just that information that, that you imparted and you managed to get out of Gareth is just invaluable for all flute players. It was stunning, wasn't it? But I, I really didn't have to do anything. I, I sort of, you know, just give him a topic and off he goes. And he's so, so refreshingly honest very humorous, so knowledgeable and, and interesting. I mean, it's just so many lovely things to, to hear about. We're going to do some more next year because he's he's hoping to, to be touring China and um, we want to talk about that and talk about his uh, some of his other projects. So that's really something to look forward to. What are you looking to get for Christmas? Do you know, I'm old-fashioned. I actually don't need anything. And that's, I am awful to buy for. I need a haircut, as you can probably tell, but I'm having a haircut next week. Me too. That's lockdown hair, isn't it? I'm awful to buy for because I'm impatient. So if I see something I want, I just go and get it. I think my children have probably gone on wish.com. You know, that Chinese website where you buy all these really cheap, funny things. I think I'll probably get some... um, some bamboo coat hangers that break the first time I put my uh, clothes on them. So as there is nothing, actually nothing I want or, or need. Actually, probably need is the term. How about you? The only thing I think I really sort of need now, because um, like you, I don't, I don't really need anything, but there is one thing which I'd like some wireless earbuds. Oh, yeah. So that I can easily listen to podcasts and music on my runs because I've just started doing... Because I've not been able to go to the gym, I've been starting to run a little bit. And the wire from my phone to the my earplugs is just in the way. So I'm, that would be really good. That would that would uh, be, be very, very useful. And then, you know, I'll get sort of silly things like you. But I think that the most important thing for Christmas is to have a safe Christmas. And to we're going to just stay in our particular bubble. Um, so it'll be a very different Christmas this year. It'll be very quiet, but it'll still be lovely and keep in touch with people via Zoom like we're doing now. And then hoping that this, uh, the, the vaccine is rolled out to everyone around the world and that this time next year, the pandemic will be uh, a distant memory. Yeah, that'd be a great Christmas present, wouldn't it? For, for mankind, really. When you were a uh, flute student, well, so, no, let's, yeah, when you're a flute student, what did you actually do over Christmas? Did you practice or did you allow yourself to take time off? Practice. You practiced. Practiced and practiced. Yes, I, I think I did give myself Christmas Day off, but if I didn't practice, I felt terribly guilty. And and I think that's because I didn't maybe manage my time well enough. I think uh, now I tell students that if you plan your practice, you can give yourself time off, and you feel good about it. And I think that's really important for your you know, you know sort of your your mental attitude towards it rather than feel guilty every time you're not practicing. So if you think if you've got a good plan of work leading up to Christmas, knowing that you're going to take a few days off, 
you deserve it because you've worked up towards it and you know you're going to restart after it. So I think everyone needs to be a bit kind to themselves, take time off, um, enjoy a quieter and a safer Christmas this year and, and then a much better one next year. How do they get over the feeling of guilt or if I'm not practicing, somebody else is practicing or if you could write, if you could send yourself a little letter from now back to you when you're a, a student and it wasn't a very long letter, yeah. what would you say? It's all about being, being kind to yourself and not spending your, it's a bit like being on a diet and always worried about what you eat. Mm. So because all you want to do is eat, eat, eat because you're being you're denying yourself so the thing is don't deny yourself time off take time off enjoy your time off but in order to enjoy it you need to put in some work so that's what I how I said it earlier that you plan your work and plan your time off you know so it's it's being a professional musician it's like any other professional job you get up in the morning you go to work you have time off for, for, for lunch or for coffee or for tea and you plan your day and then you can enjoy your time off. It's easy. <laughs> it easy. I remember in a, I remember in a podcast, probably podcast number 80 or whatever it was a long, quite a long time ago, you were talking about the, the musicians that really make it are those that allow themselves space within their practice and performing schedules to actually be alive to come alive to read to go out and to experience life to laugh to love and christmas is one of those times when all of those see all those points seem to sort of come together if you allow them don't they no absolutely and and you're right you've got to live life in order to be successful in your music you can't just be stuck in a room for hours every day day after day you need to experience life in order to be emotionally connected with the music that you play 100 percent, 100 percent. so when does christmas actually start for you that feeling of christmas does it christmas eve or is it um choirs from choirs from cambridge king's choir cambridge on christmas eve or is it christmas morning or is it boxing day with the puzzle no 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 i think it's i think it starts a few days before this year is going to be different I know usually we we're meeting people and we're going out for drinks and um, maybe a meal or two so I think this year it'll be Christmas Eve we have uh, Joe coming around for dinner because he's off on Christmas Eve with his fiance Andrea and so we're going to have a nice quiet Christmas Eve dinner um, which will be lovely and then we'll be and we'll be playing lots of lovely Christmassy music to be honest we've been having Christmas music since <laughs> The end of November, because <laughs> Eleanor keeps putting, you know, it's so easy to tell, I say Alexa very quietly because she'll be listening uh, to play Christmas music. If I'm not careful, she'll start playing now. So it's, um, there are lots of Christmas music lists that you can, that you can have playing. And then Christmas morning for us, we still do stockings, John Paul. So do Even we. Even the dogs get a Yeah, so do we. I think it's a lovely trip. It's the best bit, I think. Do you still have a satsuma in it? Of course. <laughs> And chocolate money. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Lots of chocolate money. And something absolutely stupid and worthless. Yeah. Costs 50 pence. You know, it's obligatory. And then we, we, we get up, we have breakfast, we open any parcels that might be luckily under the tree, and then we have a, a late lunch. So, yeah, well, the same it will be. I'll probably start the weekend before because I, I do allow myself to get overexcited. And uh, I break open the Baileys. 
And, you know, if I can persuade them, we'll obviously open the, well, start cutting the Christmas cake. But I suppose King's College Choir on Christmas Eve really sort of opens that sound, that beautiful sound, sort of heralds Christmas for me, really. And then, as is usual, we'll probably watch um, Arthur Christmas, and we'll probably watch a few Christmas films in our cinema room. Well, it's, well, that's funny, isn't it? Cinema room, it's just a cheap projector, but that sounds posh, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, and then Christmas morning, yeah, they'll get up, they'll have their stockings, uh, we'll have some Bucks Fizz, and then we'll just you know, open what's under the tree, and then we'll eat. Are you the type of family that, uh, when you pull your Christmas crackers, you keep your hats on, or do you take the hat off later on in the afternoon? I don't leave my hat on, and in fact, <laughs> I bought Christmas crackers for this year, John Paul. We're going to keep it a little bit simpler this year. Do you know, we're doing it for environmental reasons, just because we, we've suddenly realised we don't need it. And I, I put it out to the, the, the kids. They said, no, don't do that. Don't waste your money. Can we have a lottery ticket instead? A, a scratch card? Yep. Yeah, we do we do that often. Uh, you know, when we have the big family round for Christmas Day, they normally get a lottery ticket. Yeah. So I might still do that this year and and, and sort of put it through their doors because we can't meet up with them all. We have a rule, um, though, Claire. We have a rule: any win over a uh, hundred pounds has to be shared equally. <laughs> Can you imagine oh, the fallout if somebody wins a big amount? I know we've got to have the same rule. We must do that. So, yes, yeah, so it's going to, as we said, it's going to be a slightly different Christmas, but hopefully a happy Christmas. And I, I think that's a good place to end our, it our, is. Podca- our Christmas podcast uh, for now. Wishing all our listeners a wonderful, happy and healthy Christmas and all our best wishes for the new year. Yeah, much love to everybody. And thank you again for listening this past year. It's been a ple- our pleasure to continue to bring these weekly podcasts to you. And thank you for so much for your feedback. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas, Claire. Happy Christmas, John Paul. Speak to you in the new year. Uh, happy Christmas, everybody. Bye. This Talking Flutes podcast is kindly sponsored by Trevor James Flutes, making life sound beautiful. You can show them some flute love by following them on Instagram at TJ Flutes, Trevor James Flutes on Facebook and at trevorjamesflutes.com.